0: put the religion aside and dive into the meaning of what is being presented that's where you'll find the truth and you'll grow to overcome you must educate educate not only yourself but educate anyone seeking to learn We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out. And challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Today, I am super excited. We have Jerry Zare with us. He is an author with a book that he just released, The Peacemaker's Path, a multi reflections to deepen your spirituality. He is a leader in interfaith ministries for over 35 years. Jerry, could you please introduce yourself and let people know just a little bit
1: about you, please? Well, thank you. It's uh, Thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast and to join this conversation. I uh, grew up in the Amish Mennonite background. Uh, some people know the Amish is kind of a smaller sect in uh, the Mennonite, which which were not quite as conservative as, as the Amish, but uh, the Amish had no electricity, you know, they were farmers. And, um, and the Mennonite was very legalistic. It was a very kind of strict, uh, you don't dance, can't drink, can't smoke, you're going to go to hell. It was kind of, you're going to go to hell for something, you know, and And in in my church, when I grew up, uh, my friends who were Catholic or Baptist, they were going to go to hell because they didn't believe like us. And and I, you know, I never bought into that. I, I I never I I just didn't understand my understanding of God. I mean, I didn't have a grasp of that, but I just never believed that all these people because they just didn't believe like mm, our church. were going to go to hell. So I um. I left uh, left church, left all that. I was a uh, my degree was in speech and theater. I went into the entertainment business in my uh, 20s and um, it was kind of really about myself and how I could move up the ladder and relationships were all very transactional. What can you do for me? And even though outwardly it looked like I was having the time of my life because I was performing and singing and acting internally i was uh very dried up i was very empty inside of my spirit and uh you know i was out drinking and partying all the time and uh i i just could see that i was going to be dead in five years with this lifestyle and it was just empty so i left the entertainment business and I, that's when i began my reconnecting with god you know it was interesting kind of lot many of us maybe that way you when you grow up in a certain background and if you had a bad experience and you leave that you kind of leave god you don't realize there's other communities other people who have different understandings of god than what you were and and so that's how i began the spiritual journey and realized oh just because i don't believe like i grew up there was some new understanding for me and that began my spiritual journey and um, i became a uh, went to seminary to try to figure it all out um no intentions of being a pastor but more i thought I was going to maybe be in tv and media or something and but as i was in seminary that's when i started having a new understanding of jesus teachings and uh, of other faith traditions and then i really began my interfaith ministry for over 36 years trying to build ways of understanding and being a peacemaker.
0: Well, that's a fabulous journey, you know, and that discovery mode, it takes a lot of soul searching and deep looking into a lot of different things. And a lot of people are scared. I don't know why, but to reach inside and say, hey, I need to know this for myself. Not because I'm told this. And we get stuck, like you said, in our own upbringing. And as a Christian, you know, we're told that Jesus said, don't mix religions and all of this. But yet, that's not what was actually said. Right? And Jesus actually walked a life that a lot of Christians don't understand because they don't dig into the life of Jesus and actually try to understand why did he do this?
1: Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, we see Jesus. Uh, look at the story of him at the Samaritan woman. I mean, here he engaged with a woman who was of a different faith. One, as a man, he wasn't even supposed to be talking to women. But he engaged this woman. He didn't say anything about her being uh, married five times. He didn't shame her or guilt her. And, you know, for Jews in that day, they were supposed to, they walked around the country of Samaria because they didn't want to engage with them. So now here he is engaging with her, valuing her as a person. And he says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. But someday we'll worship in spirit and truth. And and I love that image of saying, you know, there'll be a day when we will come to understand God in a much bigger way than any of our traditions. And yes. and you know, I mean, Jesus was a Jew. He had no intention of creating a whole new religion. You know, that was Paul, and and then and you know, and as as the church has grown, it's it's created its own doctrine and dogma that really wasn't, as you said, true to the teachings of Jesus, I think.
0: Correct. So a lot of us, we get stuck on this interfaith ministry. We're not supposed to mingle. Jerry, could you please explain to people what an interfaith ministry actually is?
1: Well, I and we use the word interfaith or multi-faith. For me, it's about being in relationship to people of other traditions. It's not that I'm going to become Muslim or I'm going to become a Jew or a Hindu. But what I have found, the more that I have learned about other people, it has expanded and deepened my faith. Part of the reason I wrote this book was I really believe that we have much more in common than what divides us. And the more that I started studying and learning the teachings of Buddha, the teachings of the Hindu faith, and I saw six, at least six themes that I focused on that I write in my book um, that are in all of our traditions. Um, an example the Golden Rule is in all of them another one is you know we people speak about karma today even people who aren't very religious and the principle of karma is the same principle that jesus spoke about jesus said you reap what you sow i love that image what you put out there will come back to you you know and so if you sow love and joy and and uh compassion that will come back to you it will You'll reap your harvest. If you sow hatred, anger, prejudice, uh, bitterness, you will sow that. Well, the principle of karma is the same principle. And so uh, in Buddhist teachings, in Hindu, so in that, like in that scripture and in that reflection that I write on, you read these scriptures from the different faiths. Because most of us have never read the Quran are read, teaching the Buddha, or Hindu, or the Sikh scriptures. And so what I want to do, and this is not a deep book of theology, it's a very kind of accessible book where I write a reflection, and then I have these scriptures um, kind of to enhance that reflection, and then I'll have some questions to reflect on, and then I'll have a prayer from a faith leader. But the idea is that people go, wow, So Jesus' teachings about forgiveness, you know, that was in the Quran. And Buddha taught about forgiveness. And we see these universal truths that have transcended cultures and time. We know they're of God because, I mean, they're everlasting universal truths. That makes me just, you know, you feel such power in them as you read this.
0: Yes. You know, a lot of people say there's one way to heaven, and it's through Christ. And they are absolutely correct there. It is through Christ, but it's through his walkings, his teachings. You've got to understand what Christ was actually presenting. And that will get you to heaven, because as you said, it is the golden rule. And is it Matthew? What is it? 22, uh, 36 through 40, uh, it says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Oh. And Jesus replied, love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all of your mind. Then it says in 38, this is the first and the greatest commandment. 39 and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself and 40 all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments so Boy. as we as we go into this journey of life that is the law that is the commandments right there that's the greatest and everything hangs on the golden rule, because if if we just practice that, we are going to be walking within God's realm of law, His realm of commandments. And,
1: and you so know, yeah,
0: it, people,
1: yeah, and I think that's a powerful image. I'm sorry, I just think that you know <laughs> the whole sense of loving your neighbor, and and yes. you know, some people will quote the scripture that there are no one comes to the Father except through me, and 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 you know that's one scripture, as though you have a scripture, and I can you know the scripture from the Samaritan, or um in the Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, the parable of the sheep and goats. When you read that parable, it says, "All nations are gathered, and the criteria when you read that it isn't about getting baptized, it isn't about saying the certain word that Jesus is my Lord and Savior." The criteria in that parable that Jesus gives us for who will go into Hades and who will be the righteous was how they treated the least of these. Mm -hmm. It was an act of love and compassion. And so, you know, when people say, well, how do you resolve that? then?" if Jesus is the only way, how do you resolve that all these people who three quarters of the world aren't, aren't those that I I go well one i'm glad i don't have to be god (laughs) i don't know the mind of god right i don't know the mind of god and i have a hard time believing that all these people you know who uh who were born who lived and died in other countries and cultures before jesus even came on the scene. um native americans you know as i've gotten to know their spirituality they call it the great spirit but they are very spiritual, Native Americans, some of their writings. And I include some of their prayers. And that's what, you know, that that's the whole premise to me is I came to know God through Jesus Christ. But I'm open to saying God is bigger than my understanding. And I don't have to judge another. We're called not to judge in fact. Yes. And all I'm to do is to be in relationship. So The more I can understand about other people um, and how I can be in relationship, making ways of peace. um, That's what I feel God calls us to and Jesus calls me to. Yeah,
0: that's right. So you said earlier, traditions divide us. It's not our religion it's the traditions of men and jesus actually warned us about the traditions of men also that's that's heavy when we talk about that
1: no i think you're right i think that uh a religion at its best draws us to god and one another religion at its worst divides us and some people have used religion you know i'm better than you you know I have the right and you have the wrong. We always want to have this competition somehow. We even do it in Christianity. You know, my church is, my church is bigger. I have more people in my church. So I, we must be more faithful than you, you know, our ministers would get together and I have 5,000 people in my church. Well, I must be a holier than that church, you know, and, and that's just not even that all that stuff is man-made Uh, understandings, living out of competition, and it's not even the teachings of Jesus. I don't think Jesus cares how big your church is, how small. It's about relationships and how we care for one another. Yes, you're absolutely correct.
0: So let's get into your concept of God and of Satan.
1: Could you explain the two to us, please? Well, you know it's interesting my uh, concept of god has changed uh over the time I, and i think coming to your question about some people don't like to change some people stay where they are some of that is because you know we grow up in the same town maybe we just don't like to change or we want somebody else to tell me what to believe mm-hmm. and and it, it you know i think we are called to be responsible for ourselves and, and God wants us to grow in our understanding. And so, you know, as, as I've come, I grew up kind of with the idea of God as this being out there in the universe would strike me down in judgment if I did something wrong. and And, you know, but I could pray to God kind of like Santa Claus. Oh, please, you know, give me my answers to my prayers, that type of thing. Well, I see God in a much broader way now as God is. Within me and beyond me, God is present in all things. If if the very essence of the universe is in the atom, the core of the atom, and God is there, God is spirit, then God is present within and around us. It was Paul who gave us the understanding of the body and the spirit separate. That was a Greek understanding that he said, you know, the body is evil uh, and the spirit is good, you know, and so we should pull away from everything of the body. Well, that actually made a separation of body and spirit that was unhealthy because the Jewish thought and even earlier Hindu Buddhist thought was the body and spirit and mind are one. We are integrated, that you can't divide them when we divided the body and the spirit, somehow making the flesh evil, like you don't trust your emotions, you don't trust your sexuality, you don't trust that part, your mind and your spirit. Well, that makes it then you 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 feel separate from, you know, unhealthy. That's how you get into a lot of uh, unhealthy things with your body. And your your whole emotions. You wouldn't trust your emotions, you know. Anger was seen to be bad. Well, anger is an emotion. It's from God. It's how you use the anger, how you express it. But you know, anger is part of it. Sadness and emotions are part of who God has given us to be. So, so I have seen God in a in a much more different way of love and grace and present in all things. You see that difference that I've changed in?
0: Oh, of course, and you know, I I have experienced the same sort of change, you know, I, I came from a very, you know, not too influential background. From a very young age, I was out exploring all the churches, not just one. I wanted to know who was in that building, what they were doing. So I have had this curiosity of religion before I even knew I had it. And that takes you into Jeremiah, you know, he knew you before you were born. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he wants good things for you. He he has a determined end for you. Yes. So you know, when we when we talk religion a lot of people get stuck on like we talked about, traditions and divisions it's not a good thing to be in. I remember, and I I wanna ask you about when you actually found God. You know, I I can tell you mine was at my mother's funeral. I, I was just so overwhelmed and everybody was up in her apartment Going through things, who wants this? Who wants that? And it hit me. I had to walk out back to be alone, and I just looked up at the sky and said, "I need to know right now, is my mother with you?" Yeah. And in an instant, bell, a church bell started ringing. Wow. And another one. And then another one and then another one, four bells from four corners. The interesting thing here is my mother collected bells and she had a set of bells with each of our names put on it. It totaled four bells with all of her children on those bells. We put those in the casket with my mother and years later I got thinking about it and I said you know I don't remember any churches around mom's house I went on Google and I searched for churches around there and I could find one in the distance Wow
1: yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, so, yeah, and, and you know, I think we we have experiences and the wonderful thing is that was your experience. And and when somebody tries to intellectually uh disprove God or disprove this or so that you know, you can you can say all you can. I know my experience, right? Um agree. And 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 I've experienced resurrection. You know, I tell people if they found the bones of Jesus today, it wouldn't change my faith. That's right. Because because I've experienced resurrection. I know the power of God. Um and and in the same way if somebody said to me today prove that there was no heaven, I wouldn't change my life. I I live my life because Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand; it's within you.
0: That's right.
1: And it, you know that that in fact I think Jesus came that we could know the presence of God on earth more than life hereafter. You know, in fact, when they said, "Where's you know where's the the hereafter?" Where? And he said, he pointing to the different places, "Then that's when that's when he said that in Luke, the kingdom of God is within your midst." In in Lord's Prayer, he says. Thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And and so that for me is that I live this life uh not you know like an assurance oh ticket to get to heaven that will be great and and I hope and I believe but you know I can't prove it it's on faith but more I've experienced the love of God and that's that awakening you know, as you asked, when, when did it happen for me? I I first, it first happened at church camp when I was nine years old and I'm with people who are different communities, different pieces. And that love of God was so powerful that when I went back to my church and I heard all this sense of judgment and hellfire and, and all this stuff, I just, that's why I didn't buy it. And, uh, and so that's, that's why Later, when I got out of the theater and had my own spiritual kind of, OK, Jesus, I really want you. I want I want you to guide me and lead me. And and that's then when I came to, you know, that kind of opening up of my mind. And as I opened up my mind and my heart, I realized, well, God had always been there. I just I had turned my life around away from God. But but that's. Um, that's the power of God if we open ourselves up, and and that's why I wrote this book. You know, again, it isn't that that uh, I want people to change their 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 belief in Jesus or God, but I do think we can be enhanced. And maybe you have somebody who you work with, or you have a neighbor, are you have people who talk bad about Muslims and, you know, it's like when ISIS came out and ISIS was killing people and, and everybody thought all Muslims were like ISIS, they're all terrorists, you know, and I had friends who were Muslim in this city and, and I had other, my friends who were Christians were like, Oh, those they're terrorists and all that. I go, now let's just realize ISIS is only 10,000. There's 1.2 billion Muslims in the world. And the ISIS were killing more Muslims than they were Christians. They took the scriptures of the Quran and perverted them to justify their actions. You know, and Christians have done that, too. So, you know, we're we're not guilty. I mean, you know, we've all done that. So anyhow, I just I I, and that helped. I, I wanted people to understand most Muslims are like us. They love God. They, they are devout to their families, and, and they want peace.
0: Yes, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. And, you know, we've got to remember Ephesians 6 tells us it's the spirit that we're fighting. And a lot of people, they push that off like it's a fairy tale or a fantasy. But spirits are very real. They're very powerful. And you've got to to watch out for them. So the spirit will drive you how you let it. So you've got to be aware and you've got to be on this endless journey to find a better way of perfection. And that's what we're searching for, that perfection. So let's talk about your book a little bit, Jerry, because it's quite unique how you set this up. You've got six Themes within this book. And it's one theme per week. And what is it, six weeks long? Yeah. So mm-hmm. talk to us about how, why did you choose to format your book in this way?
1: Well, I, I created for a 40 day reflection because 40 days in the Christian tradition, of course, Lent. 40 days is always a period. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. Mm-hmm. So I uh, it's a 40 day journey and and it's set up that you could do it each day. Actually, my wife and I, even though I wrote the book and you know, now it's been gone. So she didn't read the book. So we read a day of devotion and it takes about 15 minutes. I have a reflection. Then I have the scriptures from all the faith traditions. And then I have a prayer from a, a faith leader and some questions for you to think about. So we'll read it together, and then we'll talk about it. It gives us something to explore together. But Or you could read a whole – I have some churches that have done it for like a study. They have a Bible study group. And they'll read through the week their own, and then they'll come and use it because there's at the end of each week, there's a reflection of a day of reflection and review. Um, I wanted to write a book, not a book of theology, because nobody would read that. This is very accessible. And the, the, the idea with the six themes are walking the enlightened path, the power of prayer, loving yourself, loving others, actions and consequences, and then the quest for peace. And each of those themes, and I write six different daily reflections. So like loving yourself, I explore about seeking inner peace, about uh, forgiveness, about um, expectations, being true to yourself. And so there. each one of those has like, different sub, you know, themes to explore. But hopefully the idea is that as you do this, you will come to a greater relationship with God and developing some inner peace for yourself.
0: Yeah. I like the book and it's out now for you to enjoy. Make sure you go and check out the peacemakers path. It's, it's, pretty fascinating I don't want to spoil it for a lot of people so I'm not going to read any of it or any of that to people but there is this journey that it takes you through and it makes you reflect and it makes you dig in a little bit because you ask questions back I find that good when you know you present but you ask the questions back I I like that of the book. You wrote another book also. Uh what was this called? I'm sorry. It,
1: it's ca- it's called Blurring Yeah. Blurring the Lines it, it's a novel. It's it's uh, it's more it's fiction. It's based on some of my experiences in the entertainment world but but uh the character gets sucked into the darker parts of the entertainment the theme of it is kind of what are you willing to sell your soul for? So he was always being challenged, uh, to move up the ladder of success and having to give up things in his life and his character. And so, uh, you know, I tell people, you know, the darker parts of the book I didn't really do, but that would have not been fun. So it, it was kind of my own spiritual awakening. Um, but it, it's also a fun, easy read, you know. But uh, when you were mentioning about the Peacemaker's Path, multi-faith reflections to deepen your spirituality, when you go on Amazon, what I like is they have a look inside where you can actually read like the first chapter, get a yeah. feel of it to see if it's your it. It's also a Kindle, and I like that um, for those who, you know, want a little bigger font. But it is a hard copy, and I like that because it's uh, – it, it gives it some substance, but you know. And what's funny, I I had some some people who had friends who maybe who turned away from God. Maybe they they just didn't buy into some of the dogma of religion. You know, a lot of people today say they're spiritual but not religious, yeah. and because because they you know they said I I just don't buy into some of the doctrines and dogma, but I still am searching and And that's what I think this book gives somebody who's searching, and I've had friends who bought one for themselves and then bought another one to give to somebody just to help them say, "Don't give up on God because of you know people's sinfulness or your bad experience, and just be open because the book I think it helps us draw a sense of God's love and grace and and understanding the divine that awakens within us god within us and beyond us
0: yes well it's powerful you know and another thing is you don't have to believe in god but god does believe in you ah, and very and good our our life our journey it kind of brings us to that point sometime where we're searching heavy and it's a good area to start if you don't want to start with the bible this is a good place to start that soul searching journey and it can bring you to a closer connection so books like jerry has written here for us these are the the building blocks to a better way and baby step into it like he said it's 40 days and heck everybody can do 40 days
1: well and and, yeah and you know what reinforces that what i love about it is uh by reading of these other faith traditions it reinforces the teachings of jesus it reinforces that god has brought truth and manifested that truth to people all ages through time and and you know to me truth is truth it's like Love wins. That's a universal law. Love is overcomes the same way the light has come into the world and darkness will not overcome it. We know that. We know that darkness destroys itself evil destroys itself now it might not happen right away and you know we see people who uh, are scam artists and people who seem like they are greedy and they take over other people but it's interesting that the i just read this book of the daughter of the gentleman who was the most famous counterfeiter and and it was about his life and in some ways, people who he counterfeited money and some people, he partied, had a lot of money. And, and you know, if you just knew him like for a week or a month, you might think this guy had scammed everybody. In reality, as she talked about it, he was always running from the law. He never, she never knew him. He was always on the run. He was broke most of the time. He You know he'd go to jail and then he'd come back and he he ended his life empty desolate and so that's that's the part is you know that's what I mean about you reap what you sow that universal law we don't always see the consequences of somebody's life, but all we can do is live our life, try to let the the fruits of the spirit prosper and um and God, God will bless us, God does bless us
0: that's that's for certain, you know and chasing the money, the fame, the fortune, it's not going to get you anywhere. It just tires you out. That's a big lesson I learned. you know, my wife and I, we had an opportunity where we could have moved into this seven floor mansion up on the Wasatch front up above uh the big city and i was really excited super excited hey we've got a chance to get this we can move all the family in all of that and she simply asked me who's cleaning it (laughs) and and reality set in and oh that was very selfish of me i'm sorry so We ended up getting a littler house, and we still had our family move in. It was a great thing. But to be tempted with all of that is a very, very powerful thing. And a lot of us don't
1: realize the power before us. How can I help fight that
0: temptation, Jerry?
1: Well, and I think I think you're right that that's why our faith and and we all fail, we we all falter, we lose our way, and and that's why forgiveness and grace is so powerful. That's one of the things that when I talk about loving yourself and loving others, I talk about forgiveness and the principle of forgiveness. That probably is one of the most important spiritual truths to learn of forgiving others and forgiving ourselves. And, and, you know, and part of uh, failing, part of our, our, our making mistakes is, uh, is part of our journey. And that's why giving ourselves some grace and, and understanding, you know, we're human beings. And I think some of your listeners, you know, I mean, I, I think we realize life is hard. And, and for some of us, it's, it's harder than others, but we all have our challenges and it's, it's 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 about the journey it's about you know seeking um and working on opening our mind being willing to change and you know sometimes we are brought up with certain beliefs I carried a lot of shame and guilt. Uh, I felt very inadequate. I was brought up with a sense of, you know, guilt that I was taught in religion in the, my church. And, and I realized that's not what God wanted for me. And, and in fact, you know, uh, shame is very unhealthy and, and, and that inadequacy, uh, feeling that we aren't lovable and, and we can't measure up. And I, I realized a lot of that was just my upbringing. And then I realized just because that was something taught me, I don't have to buy that. In fact, I don't even believe that. I started learning how, as God wanted, said, "Love yourself, love your neighbor as yourself." We have to learn to love ourselves, and yeah. that is a, an important piece. I think is how do we learn to love ourselves and and get grounded in. God's love for ourselves helps us resist those temptations.
0: Yes, and that's where you find true peace. You know, put the religion aside and dive into the meaning of what is being presented. That's where you'll find the truth and you'll grow. So, Jerry, you uh started a few interfaith alliances. How did that transpire what what was the connection like how did you step up and put this together
1: well you know it genuinely like the first one I did was I was just in out of seminary I was a pastor and some of us ministers were meeting with some of the rabbis and church together it's interesting because I think You know, Jesus calls us to be the body of Paul says, be the body of Christ. We are to be that in the world. We're to be in relationship with each other. But I had some ministers who wouldn't even who wouldn't even meet with me because they had different points of view on baptism or different points of view on things, you know. Now but but the ones that we found a sense, because here's the thing, we could always find things we disagree with. I could tell you things I disagree with Catholics or Mormons or this or that. Or, but I I wanted to focus on what do we have in common. So that's how we began. And we were just doing primarily Jewish and Christians. And then a Muslim community built a mosque outside of Indianapolis. I live outside of Indianapolis, Indiana, and uh, they built a mosque. And so I didn't know anything about Muslims, but I said, uh, well, I'm, I'm called up. I literally called up and I introduced myself To the imam. The imam is like a minister in the in the in the Muslim tradition. Rabbi is for the Jewish people is a teacher. Rabbi is a teacher. They call Jesus rabbi or a minister. So the imam and I said, I'd love to have a coffee with you and connect. So he's okay. So we got together at, at McDonald's for some coffee. He wanted to meet, you know, he's a little suspect. He didn't know me, you know, and like, so we met in this McDonald's. And the more I heard his story, how he came to God, he was a heathen, all this stuff. And then he came to God um, and he became Muslim. And then he went to school to be an imam. And it was a lot, a much like me. And so I said, you know, we just, he, it was a wonderful conversation. We found things, we come and I said, well, let's, why don't you join us? And so we, you know, I, I and I met this guy who was a by high. And I said, well, I literally just kind of wanted to meet people. And and I just took the initiative. And so, you know, when people say, well, how do you, how do you create an interfaith group? You do it by inviting people and getting to know one another. And, um, and that's how it began. And so I've done that with four of these. And, and, you know, Here's a good example of the power when you join together with people. So there's a synagogue in my community, and there was an 18 and 19, a 19-year-old boy and 18-year-old girl, their boyfriend and girlfriend living together, some small little town, and they uh, came over and they sprayed swastikas, uh, all signs, all over the synagogue, trying to put the sense of fear in them. and. um That happened on a Thursday night. By Monday, through the social media, all of our friends in the interfaith and community together joined together. The synagogue only could hold 450 people in their temple. There was almost a 1,000 people showed up people in the parking lot and people with their children who said, we stand together in solidarity. And, you know, the TV cameras were there and, and people were saying, I want my children to see that love overcomes hatred. And there were people who weren't even Jewish people who were agnostic, but said, we stand together. And what a powerful um, ripple effect that had into our community.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. You know, I, I was watching some of your YouTube and you've got a video on there where you bring all of the faith leaders into your home and a cat walks onto the prayer rug. Yeah. <laughs> Could you tell people about that? Uh, because I I found that, oh gosh, because I never thought of that really. But yeah what if he would have taken offense and all that how did that make you feel
1: and oh it was it was one of the best stories I I call it guess who's coming to dinner because we were having we were having one of these meetings with the rabbi and the imam and people together but we had never met outside of just our meeting at lunchtime I said to them I'd love to have you come to my home and uh, they said oh they, they were honored and so I said to my wife I called her and so guess who's coming to dinner? You know, And she says, "Whoa!" You know, so anyhow, so you know, we we had because the Baha'i are vegetarian, Muslims don't eat pork, you know, and the Rabbi uh, that he doesn't eat pork either. So we had to find uh, something that we could all eat, but but it was funny because as we come in there together, and again, I didn't know this, and 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 what I've learned is. I, I, I'll say to people of a different faith or maybe of a different culture. You know, I did this with my black friends. I didn't know certain things about black people or things. I'll just say, now, this is going to sound like a stupid question. But and then I'd ask him and they say, well, there's no stupid questions, which there aren't. But but so when we came together, uh, Dr. Shahid Attar came and he said, um, could I because it was sunset? And I didn't know that Muslims, they pray five times a day. They play at sunrise, they play at, pray at, at uh, noon, they pray during the midday, and at supper, and then an evening prayer. So whereas Christians, we don't have set times that we pray, they do. And, and if they at work, they just go off to the side or somewhere. So he had a prayer cloth, and, and he said, I'd like to go off just for a moment to have prayer. It's their way of saying, so they want to get refocused with God. I mean, you know, where sometimes I'm during the day and if I'm just get so busy with activities. Maybe I don't even think about God during the day. And and that was their way of doing it. So I said to him, though, I said, oh, well, if you pray, can we pray with you? And oh, he was so like, wow, that'd, that'd be wonderful. So in their tradition, the men pray together in a line and the women pray together in a line and um he had his prayer cloth and he put it down. And as you make reference, I had this big cat. It's it called Max. He weighs 20 pounds. And and he's like, like any cat. He sees this rug. It's interesting. And so Dr. Shahid Attar is looking up to kind of heaven. His eyes are folded. His eye, his hands are folded. His eyes are closed. He's kind of preparing. And then Max rolls lays on the carpet i mean on his rug on his prayer rug and rolls around on it and i'm going oh my gosh you know and i i kind of motion and luckily just as dr Shahid attar kneels because we're all going to kneel down and get on our knees max leaves now in reality i think if if, if shaheed would have saw max there he would have probably laughed. But, you know, I didn't know that. I mean, he's a guest, and I and I was so worried. Uh, it, it's kind of like, when you don't know somebody, you have a certain stereotype of them. And I thought of Muslims as very serious people. Well, once I got to know Dr. Shahid Attar, he was a doctor, an internal medicine doctor. And, you know, he was so fun. I played basketball with him and his kids at his house one day, and you know, they, they're they just like us. And so, you know, we prayed that prayer. And then the rabbi said, well, I'd like to have a prayer. So he prayed. And then the Baha'i president said he'd like to pray. So by the time we all prayed, the food was kind of cold. But it, it really didn't matter because what really happened was we broke bread together. It's kind of like, you know, interesting, isn't it? Jesus broke bread and it, and it was in communion That there was the presence of christ was present and i felt like we were breaking bread together and there was the love of jesus the christ was being present yeah it's a
0: wonderful thing Uh, you know and that's a good lesson about the awkwardness of inviting people in you know my my mother did it all of her life we were raised bringing people in for sharing a meal it's a it's a good Family environment thing. And it really does help you build character because you get to know a different person with a different viewpoint. And that's a beautiful thing, regardless of what the media might tell you or anybody else. When we embrace the diversity of our world and understand it, that's when things get good.
1: And, and that's when healing and peacemaking happen you're right and I think you know right now we we feel so polarized we're we're so uh, with with uh whether it's po- politics or culture or uh, different things and and people say well wh- what can we do what can we do to bring healing and I'll say it really is in our listening to one another yeah you know I had friends I, I had friends in my church who were, Were Trump supporters, and I had people who supported Hillary Clinton, and uh, and I was intentional about us never from the pulpit denigrating anybody in that way. We could talk about racism, or or we could talk about immigration, or, or issues, but I would never say like, "Oh, Trump was this," or "Hillary Clinton was that," or "These people are deplorable," or you know, a blanket statement about groups of people, and. And what we found was we had discussions on immigration, and we found common ground. And, and you know, I had friends, and I said to them, like, well, why did you vote for Trump? I, I, I mean, I knew the, he wasn't a racist or he wasn't a white supremacist, and he had his reasons for that. And people who voted for Hillary had their reasons. And and I think listening and hearing another point of view, it really helped me understand why certain people voted certain ways or they certainly have different beliefs, you know, in the same way as religion. Um, and so I want to invite that it's it's when we can listen and somebody can feel heard. That's the best gift we can give to somebody.
0: Yes, it is. It's empowerment. And I'm glad that you brought that up, Jerry, because You know, when we degrade others instead of lift others up, we have a negative impact. It's not a positive impact. And we need more
1: positivity and we need to reflect on that a little more. Oh and I was I was embarrassed and on Facebook some of my friends who were Christians and and I had a couple of people in my church who who said nasty things about the other political party and and I I called them out a little bit I just said you know you guys you're better than this and please try you know try to affirm each other and and this does no good and that that's the problem with Facebook or emails you know, and the media is it just it didn't when you when you say such nasty things about another person, all that does is divide you. It doesn't do anything to help you. And and so, you know, I think Christ told us, you know, to to be able to seek ways of being a peacemaker. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, yes. for they shall see God. And so, um, yeah, I, I think I really encourage that. You know, you if you have a coworker or you have somebody, you know, who you are maybe feeling a little at odds with or you don't understand, the best thing you can do is to try to listen to them, try to understand them and their point of view. Because you know, when you give that gift of somebody feeling like somebody understood me, that begins the healing process. Yes, it does.
0: So let's get just a little bit personal, Jerry. You you stated that you ran marathons. You're a runner. You like being physical. Yeah, you, you have a video where you jumped out of a plane skydiving. <laughs> yes, yes. How does that make you feel and what makes you so invigorating in that way?
1: Well, you know, I like doing things that challenge me i like things that i could imagine when i ran the marathon i'd never run a marathon i mean i wasn't a runner i i ran i ran uh short distances in junior high i played football but in high school i was in theater but i i wanted to do a, something that i could never imagine like the marathon so i did that with skydiving now i must be honest i must be honest with you i'm there as a tandem of skydiving, so I have the the professional you know I'm hooked to, and as we're getting ready to go out, I'm looking out and I'm seeing this vastness between me and i'm I'm like, "Oh my God, I don't think, and he said too late, and he just pushes <laughs> he pushes me out right he I, he I, I pushes me out, and now i and I'm terrified. The wind is just beating and beating against, you know, and I'm terrified. And he's saying, you know, I'm supposed to arch your back, arch your back. Okay. Arch my back. And then you, he does the shoot. And when he opens the shoot up, it just yanks you and you go from, <laughs> you know, this up and you fly, you know, and it pulls up on your, your groin and everywhere. And now you're floating. Well, now it's easy. Oh, it's nice. Cause you're, now you're just letting the wind, and it was fine, and then we floated down, and it was wonderful. But would I do it again? I don't know. Uh-oh. It was, it was pretty I scary. You to.
0: I encourage you to challenge yourself, get back up, and do it one more time at least. Have you done it? Not yet. I, I do it in a heartbeat. I, well, I've I've flown a plane. And I love that, but I haven't had the opportunity to do that yet.
1: But (laughs) but I'm laughing because you're encouraging me to do it again, but you haven't done it. You should, I'll wait till you do it. And then you, (laughs) and then you call me and I, and then (laughs) I'll see if you think that you should do it again, because I think, uh, but anyhow, you know, it's, it's like anything. I, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I zip lined once. I, I didn't need to do it again, but I tried it. Um, it's like when I went to India, I, I was by myself. I went with this group. I didn't know anybody in the group, but I, I traveled in India for two weeks and I learned so much. And I realize some people, they can't do all that. You know, I mean, they, they maybe they're, they don't have the opportunity to, to skydive or do that. But I encourage people really to find something just to to open you up, try something new. You know, maybe you've never gardened before. Try something. But um, I think, you know, and that's what I hope by reading the book, that try yeah. something new and, and it will open up their mind in a new way.
0: Yes, broaden your horizons and find that passion in life. That's that's the key right there. You're living today. Make it worth the day. Make it worth living. A lot of people are stuck right now in depression, anxieties. This is a great way to come out of that. You've got to learn new exciting things and get in touch with a higher power, whoever that might be with you.
1: And I think you're right. And especially, I think, if some of your people who are listeners who are feeling depressed or feeling like overwhelmed or fragmented, you know, one of the first things I'll do that will shift me when I get in a funky mood or I feel depressed or I'll think like when I was writing the book, oh, what am I doing this for? It's not making any difference. I've done all this. Who cares? You know, and, I'll start making a list of things that I'm blessed with, yeah. things that I'm grateful for. And I'm, you know, I have a wife of 37 years. I have a home that I live in. I I can do these things physically. I can enjoy this. And it's amazing when I would make a list of 10 things, how that shifted me mentally and started giving me a different framework to see things. So yeah, that's I, very good advice. Yeah, I, I just think, I because I I think finding, as you said, finding something you're passionate about, you know, you might have a job and you might feel the job is frustrating or you don't get much meaning from your job. So find meaning in the relationships with people. Find meaning in maybe finding something that you have your passion. For me, it was interfaith. For somebody else, it might be, having a passion uh working with kids having a passion making beautiful garden and and taking some of your flowers and giving it to some people to make their bless their day you know but if you find some way of sharing your life and have doing something that you feel like you can make a difference that gives you purpose and now you find god is using you yes that is so true
0: You know, and and it's a blessing once you do find that inner peace. And it is possible. A lot of people say that is impossible. This life is just so daunting and has so much going on. Every day it does. You know, but you wake up every morning. That's a blessing. And, you know, everybody has their bad days. Find a way to inspire yourself it's worth it every day
1: i think you're exactly right and i you know i i i really there's a whole theme about finding inner peace and and what i offer what i have worked on in my own life even though i was a christian and i'm following god it still took me some time to learn how to 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 love myself and work on some of those and so hopefully there's some practical things there that, that the people can gain from, because I think that's what I want your listeners finally to know, is you are loved, you are a child of God, you are valued for who you are. Not what you've done, not your accomplishments or what your failures, those come and go, but I would want people to know who they are as a child of God, and they are loved.
0: Yes, that's that's power right there. Jerry, I thank you so much for spending this time with us and sharing your knowledge and understanding because this is a very important topic. A lot of people are scared to touch on these topics, but when we explore, it can open us up to a wide variety of different things in our life. And most of them are pleasant. So I do thank you for taking the time today for being with us.
1: Thank you so much. God bless you. And all peace.
0: Thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast enlightening, entertaining, educational in any way, please share, like, subscribe, and join us right back here next week for another great episode America podcast. I'm Ed Waters, your host. Enjoy your afternoon, wherever you may be.